I'm going to start with a nice word on Pashas Matos from the Imre Noyam. The Imre Noyam says on the Pusik Vidabra Moshe Lurusha Matos of a nice Rulaimer, Zadov Rashtivo Hashem. He says that we find that there are two kinds of Mishputim. There's a Mishpat, there's a Din that Hashem does, which basically means that Hashem's taking away the Ashgucha And there are Dinim, there are things that are unpleasant happening. But then there are Mishputim and things that look unpleasant, but in the meantime it's really with a very specific and very clear hashgucha. In other words, sometimes you see that some, something will look like it's uh, undesirable, something bad happening. But in the meantime, we see all the good that comes out of it later. We realize that it was all for a better purpose. He brings an example of Yosef HaTzadik when he was sold to Mitzrayim, and we see that that all brought about the, the Kiyam HaChaloimus of Yosef, and uh, the whole Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim came, came about from that. And he touches different different Sikkim, along these lines, and he explains that Rusha Matas of Nayisruel means that when we see that Kal Yisruel is going Mata Mata, sometimes that's really all just for the sake of the Aliyah that happens after that. And that's why when you see Rusha Hamatas, you see, you see Kal Yisruel going down and suffering, we have to remember that this is all Zeadov Ashtiv Hashem. It's something we should thank Hashem for because, you know, all the things that look like, like Hester Punim, and all the things that look like it's really no good, it's all part of Gulas, which is Mechapeiros, it's all part of a, a bigger good and a bigger picture and something that's going to come out of it, a big toiva. So, of course, when it comes to Hashem, this is a very, uh, on the one hand, a very basic and fundamental idea that everything Hashem does is good and even when things look like they're not good and things that things look like it's not coming from Mashgucha Prutus, really it's all Hashem, you know, helping us and making everything go in the right direction. Um, but on a similar note, let's call it, we find sometimes that uh, even with our own children, right? Even though we're we're not Hashem, and we don't always have the best of intentions, but so often children, for example, will feel that parents are doing something, you know, that's not that's not kind, not good, not what they want, and the parents understand that this is all for the better good. In order to be mechanach a child, sometimes that's what you have to do. And this is a very typical idea that Chazal teaches us. But small doicha min mekarevus. Part of being mechanach a child is having the small doicha, knowing how to. Uh, give misr, knowing how to how to make proper boundaries and proper guidelines, and knowing when yes and when not. And if you just let a child do whatever he wants, and always tell him yeah, even though he may think that he has the best parent in the world, obviously you're not doing him a favor. Now, interestingly, I mention often that uh, Chazal teaches that the idea of small doichim in makarevis is not only about children. Uh, Chazal teaches about yaitzer isha v'tinik, where and with a wife, and and with children. And the idea is, not, not that you're trying to be a mechanach, your wife, but even when it comes to any, any relationship, or any shalom bias, obviously, as well, you know, if it's always going to be yes, and you're always going to be doing what someone else wants, you're not making anyone happy. You're certainly not going to be happy if somebody else is always dictating um, you, what you do, and how you decide, and, and, and where you're going to go, and when you're going to do things, obviously. But even for that person, it's interesting to see how the healthiest thing you could do for someone in a relationship sometimes is to have those proper boundaries and know how to communicate them in a healthy way that's obviously not hurtful. In general, we could say that when it comes to relationships, right, just like with neighbors, the Torah teaches us, achu, and you can't, you can't build on your neighbor's property. Now, if your neighbor wants to be a nice guy and say, sure, you could build wherever you want. You could, you could build your house up to my window. You could just cover my window. You could just sit on my porch. You could just take my driveway. It will look nice, but that's not a relationship that's going to last. It's not something that's going to be good. So the best thing for everyone is when there's a certain clarity of when yes and when not. And that's, that's the idea of what small doichim in makarevis really means. And, and I think that 
even though we can't compare to Hashem, obviously, who even when He does things that look like they're not so pleasant, they're not what, we, not what we'd want, we do understand that it's all for the good. But the same idea applies everywhere. Sometimes the things that look unpleasant are really the things that are, that are really beneficial and helpful in a relationship. With that said, let me, let me read a question and discuss an idea that we speak about very often and see if we can give some clarity and some helpful ideas about it. Dear Bagruin, I would like to thank you for the amazing share on Torah Anytime yesterday. I think this is a share of Pasha's Vayechi, the English share. Okay, about healthy boundaries and about there not being a contradiction between caring for someone and still doing what they need, what they need to do for themselves. It was a Dover Be'itoi and really helped me to keep myself confident and to be sure that what I was feeling is real. I would like to point out a different perspective of one case you mentioned. You spoke about a spouse deciding by themselves when to go to a certain simcha, using the fact that their spouse wouldn't want to kick up a fuss in order to get them to do what they wanted to. I was once in a situation where my wife's uncle was flying to Europe. They were making what's called a European-style chasna, early afternoon, with a break between the chuppah and the suda, about an hour and a half away from town. My wife felt that this is inconsiderate, inconsiderate, and decided that she only wanted to go for the Suda, even though all the other siblings and all the other nieces and nephews are all going earlier for the chuppah and the entire family would be there. I felt that it's their simchen, they could choose how and when to make it, especially if this was the accepted way to do things. I would be very uncomfortable to be the only nephew not at the chuppah, etc. I have the car, so I said very clearly that I have no problem with my wife going when she wants to come. She can come with me when I go for the chuppah as I'm, I'm embarrassed not to be there, or she can come by taxi or bus when she pleases. In other words, I'm asking, is there a place to act and do what they think is right in a case where they think that the other side is really not right? I guess the question is, I'm just trying to uh, make sense out of the wording, uh, the question is, if my wife really thinks that she's right, is there a reason for me to do what she wants because she thinks that what I want is not right? Okay. Um, one last example, could a husband make kiddish and wash with the family when the wife wants to sleep in until 2 or 3 p.m. on Shabbos afternoon. Thanks again for reading this long rambling letter. Okay, so very good questions. Um, you know, quite typical, I must say. I, I just The examples are good. One is um, how and when we participate at a family simcha. In the exact details of the European chasna, and if it's an uncle or a niece, or so if everyone's going to be there, nobody's being there, or you're embarrassed to be there, I don't see all that to be so relevant, which I'll discuss in a moment. And the other question is, how and when to make a Shabbos suda? Right? You have a, a wife who seemingly wants the suda to be 2 or 3 in the afternoon, and you probably want it to be something more like 12 or 1 o'clock, which is significantly different. And now uh, the question is, how do we go about that? So let me just, let me just start with the introduction. And that is the basic idea of boundaries. I talk about boundaries very often. Um, a lot of my classes and in my book, Get Along With Everyone, I have a whole chapter on boundaries. The idea of boundaries is both basic, fundamental, and very clear. And let me tell you what that means. I believe that any relationship, literally any relationship, even Shalom Bias, even when you're married, even, when, even the closest relationships, but the same thing with the, with the ones that aren't so close, whatever they are, if you're not going to have a proper understanding and implement uh, you know, the, the right way to go about having proper boundaries in the relationship, then things will always become a mess. And I see this all the time. 
I could say that almost every situation of, of conflict and, and, and problems is almost always coming together with or because of violating the, the right boundaries. Now let me say what boundaries means for those who either don't know or need a reminder. Boundaries means that in every relationship there's what I call the mine, yours, and ours. It doesn't matter if we're just neighbors or cousins or, or business partners or spouses. There's still always going to be the three categories of mine, yours, and ours. Something in this relationship, as close as we are, will still always remain belonging to me. It's my thing. It pertains to me. It affects me. It's, it's, it's about how I behave and how I do things. And it's not about you. The fact that you could be very passionate about it or care about it or have opinions about it or, 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 or feel a certain way about it, at the end of the day, it's about me. And it's very important for people to realize what that means. Is it about me? What's it about me? Yeah, if I'm the one that, that's going to be doing it or, or, or directly affected by it, then it's about me. This often has to do with how I dress and my schedule and, and how I learn or who, who I associate with. It doesn't mean that you don't care about these things and that's why it's about me because it doesn't, doesn't bother you at all. Even if it does bother you, even if you have a preference or even if you have an opinion about it, it's still about me. And same thing is about you. There's always going to be the things that are about you. I can be very close to you. I could have strong feelings about your decisions and your behaviors and still about you. And then there are the things that are about us. And in every relationship, there, are, there is the hours. Even the, the relationship between neighbors, right? The hours could still be, you know, if I'm attracting people late at night and making noise in the neighborhood or how we go about sharing space on the street and things like that. There's hours, and especially at home, when two people are living together, there's, of course, many things that go into the category of hours. There is the home and the finances and the children, and things like that. Understanding this concept, and being respectful to what belongs to you, and what belongs to me, and letting what belongs to you be decided by you, and what belongs to me be decided by me, and what belongs to us be decided by both of us. Like I said before, it's so basic and fundamental, and, and so much of our happiness and success in the relationship will depend on it, and it's also so clear, which means there are many ideas about shalom bias, about other things in relationships that aren't so clear. You know, it's, it's vague. Like, yeah, you're supposed to make your spouse feel good. How do you do that? You say this. Yeah, but she doesn't like it. Okay, so you try that. There are things that aren't so clear, and it's trial and error, or sometimes has to do with how uh, creative or intelligent someone is to get it right. The idea of boundaries is very, very clear and very understandable. I'll tell you another point. Very often when I give classes, whether it's shalom bias or whatever, whether it's about personalities or about, it's about men understanding women or whatever, there are certain parts of it that I don't encourage people to share at home because, you know, it's not kedai for your spouse to know what you were told to do or, or how you were given an understanding of what they're going through, for example. No point in it. They're going to be offended by it. They won't take it well. Not everything that a man hears, a woman has to hear. Not everything a woman has to hear. Does the man have to hear, and etc. When it comes to the idea of boundaries, I always say you can go home and share this at home. It's clear. It's straightforward. It's something everyone should be able to understand and accept and implement. And even if people don't like it, it's a very, it's a very clear idea. The mistake of, of pulling out the card that says, but we're married, is, is a very big mistake. It, it's, a, it's a manipulative mistake, first of all, but sometimes I'm calling it a mistake to judge favorably those who, who think that it's, that it's a, a correct idea. But we're married. What does it mean, boundaries? But we're married. So the pe- I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the benefit of the doubt to the people who say those words and they think that it's true, that but we're married means that we don't have boundaries. Okay, and at the same time, I'm going to be addressing those who really know the truth that it's ridiculous to say that, but I'll, I'll just explain it anyway, because very often it's just used as a manipulation. 
But we're married means what? It means that me and you do what you want? When you think about it, when, when, when one person tells the other, for example, this, you know, the question was, was about going to a simcha, for example. We should go early or we should go late? So I want to go early and you want to go late. So my idea, when we understand the idea of boundaries, is that my going to the simcha, my attendance and my being there and my schedule is about me and yours is about you. Okay? So if I decide that I want to go early and I tell you, you know what, you can go late, that's wonderful. So you come now and say, but we're married. Does but we're married obligate you to come early with me? Or for some reason does but we're married obligate me to go late with you? When you think about it, you'll notice that most people who are using the but we're married card are, are basically trying to say that me and you should be doing what you want. How does that work? How does it work when somebody, when you're telling me that me and you should do what you want, is that called married? Is that called that we're in this together? Or it means that because we're married, you, you now have um, the right to decide what two people do instead of what one person does? It's a very big problem and it's very incorrect and, and very often people just get sucked up in their own emotion and they don't realize how ridiculous it sounds. The idea of healthy boundaries and being respectful to who should be making which decisions over which part of a relationship or which part of, of, of just the technical decisions, it resolves so many issues. And instead of getting into this silly, um, almost childish uh, way of thinking right and wrong, right? Is it right to go to a chasna? Is it wrong to go to a chasna? Is it right to miss the chup? Is it wrong to... Instead of getting into that, you could, you could resolve it in a very technical way. Now here again, people say, but that's so technical. Relationship is not about technical, it's about emotions, about connection. I know. So again, either you can get me to feel like you, or you can get yourself to feel like me. Or we could agree that right and wrong is a very relative idea. And it's very possible that what I think is right, you think is wrong. What you think is right, I think is wrong. It's very possible that there are different people with different attitudes toward, th- toward different things, different opinions. And, and it's almost childish again to to try to think or make believe that we could all agree on something and all have the same feelings about certain things. So again, whenever, whenever people get into these things, yeah, but, but everybody knows, but nobody thinks, but, but all my siblings, all my sisters, all my neighbors, all your brothers, all your, it's silly. It really is silly. And so many things could be uh, resolvable and dealable if only we would be more respectful to understanding who does this pertain to, who should be the one making this decision, and, and moving on like that. We don't have to agree on everything and we can still have a technical way to deal with things and get over all kinds of different conflicts. And this is something that's not man-woman issues, husband-wife issues. This is a general idea of relationships. Now, I always like giving the flip side and that is that the fact that something pertains to me or to you doesn't mean that the other one has no right to give an opinion about it or to ask nicely about it or to suggest something about it. That's all fine. It's fine for me to ask you if you could please accommodate me and do things the way I want, even if they pertain to you. It's fine for me to suggest to you that maybe this is the right way to do something, even though essentially it's your, it's your decision. The point of boundaries is not to say, don't come into my boundary, don't talk about my things, don't give me your attitude or your opinion, I don't want to know what you think. That, that's not what relationships are about. Husband and wife should always be able to discuss things in a respectful way. It's just important to understand that, when you, that, that, that there's a big difference between asking and suggesting uh, is very different than arguing and fighting. So by the time I'm trying to explain to you and win you over and debate with you about how wrong you are, you know that just gets more hurtful as we go on, and that is not taking into account the fact that at the end of the day you're entitled to your own opinion and your own decision. But if I'm asking and suggesting nicely, and I'm doing it in a way and with a with a tone and with wording that definitely it makes it very clear that I understand this is how you feel and that you're entitled. It would still mean a lot to me if you could do it, and I'm being very clear by the fact that you don't have to. That's, that's a very different uh, 
uh, attitude. And very often it actually brings about much bigger and faster uh, results than trying to control the other person. There is the hours um, category about things that belong to both of us. And here's also where people get very stuck. Hours is hours. When it comes to our children, when it comes to our house, when it comes to our family, when it comes to different things that, that pertain to both of us, it's very important to really be considerate one of another. And many people don't know how to do that. Many people get stuck on, yeah, but what about me? What, what, yeah, but what about me? But, but, but you're not taking into consideration the fact that I don't like this. Again, this is about us. When it comes to us, I mean, that's what you signed up for when you got married or when you get into any relationship, that there are things that are going to become part of the relationship, which means that we're going to have to deal with together. Now, I always say that, you know, it's very common and you shouldn't be thrown over the fact that you and your spouse will run into uh, issues where you have difference of opinion, difference of taste or, or, or uh, mindset, and there's ways to deal with it. I often say, I, I could suggest three ways. I'm sure people who are listening to me frequently know already my three ways that I suggest, but I'm sure there are more. One way to deal with, some, with, a, with a difference of opinion and something that pertains to both of us would be to discuss it and hash it out, let's call it, in a respectful way, until we actually agree. And very many couples are very good at that. We discuss something, we discuss it once, twice, three times. Should we do the extension on the house? Should we go on a vacation? Should we invest money? Should we implement a certain rule at home? Should we parent our children in a certain way? Uh, should we send one of our children for help? We discuss it and discuss it. And even though initially we felt differently about it, sometimes after discussing it enough, uh, one, of, one of you eventually basically convinces the other one. Or you know, so, sometimes just discussing it alone makes a certain clarity. And we're good to go. That's wonderful. Another way would be to compromise. Compromise sounds the most simple, but uh, compromise essentially means that neither of us are going to be really happy. I think we should do a, a $250,000 extension on the house. You think we should only invest 50000 So doing 100000 means that I'm not going to be happy. It's more than I want. It's less than you want. But that's what compromise means. It means we'll both be less happy instead of only one of us being very happy and the other one being not happy at all. Or we'll take turns, for example, which is also a form of compromise, which is wonderful. You know, instead of going every week to the country, we'll go every other week to the country. Or this summer we'll go every week, and next summer we won't go any weeks. That's compromising. If people could do that in a respectful way, that's also wonderful. That, that's one of the ways to deal with hours when we disagree. And then there are some couples that unfortunately cannot do either of those. Or even if they could, they decide it's still easier to just have a third party hear us out, someone we respect, someone who, who means our good, somebody who's intelligent, somebody we rely on, and let somebody else decide. Even if we can't get it on our own, but we know that the Rav or this person or this uh, whoever it is, someone who can listen to both of us objectively and mean our good and help us out with this. That's wonderful. And if anyone else has any other ways to deal with a conflict, a difference of opinion when it comes to something that pertains to ours, go ahead. But you have to have some kind of mahalach, how to deal with things, these things instead of every time getting stuck all over again trying to convince each other. But you'd be surprised to see how much could be dealt with without even going into the hours. Which means even in the hours category, things that essentially pertain to both of us, you'd be surprised how much could really be split up and say, you know what, this part of the hours really does belong to me and affects me the most. The other part affects you more. And, and, and slowly you become more respectful of each other. Now, with all that said, I always like reminding everyone, it's fine to accommodate and be considerate of someone else. It's fine to do things in a way that you don't like. It's fine to let someone else decide. In other words, in other words um, your wife, you know that your wife likes when you... Um, sing certain songs by the Shabbos Eder, for example, and you don't like to. And basically she's trying to get you to sing a certain way. Now, if she's not telling you you have to, 
or she's not demanding it if you are fighting about it, and you decide, you know what, let me do it because this is what she likes, beautiful. Even if, even if it's not about the Shabbos either, which is something that we share essentially, uh, let's say she likes when you um, wear a certain scarf. She likes it, she bought it, you know she likes it, you don't like it so much, she's not telling you you have to at all, but you want to do it because it makes her happy. Go ahead. The idea of boundaries is not to, to stick to your boundary and protect your boundary and, and make it sound like you're in a war zone and making sure nobody's invading. And, and make sure that nobody will, by mistake, um, appreciate the fact that you're doing something that really pertains to you the way they like. It's fine, it's fine to be accommodating. There are very many people who actually enjoy being accommodating, even if it's not really what they wanted to do. And, and it's a wonderful thing when people could do that, whether it's compromise or accommodate, even when they don't have to. The question is, however, are you doing it because you want to? Are you doing it because it's going to enhance the relationship? Or are you doing it because you have to and you're being controlled? And this is where it gets tricky because some people don't realize that they're doing it because they're controlled. Someone's demanding it of them. They're not really happy about it. But they're feeding into it because it's, it's better than fighting about it. Now, I understand the mindset and sometimes it's actually true. But other times, doing this and feeding into it is just, is just making it worse and worse as time goes on. And slowly you're just doing whatever, whatever you're being told to do. And this is where people make the mistake of, of hoping that in the name of making things better, I'll let myself be controlled and I'll, I'll, do what I'm, I'll do what I'm told to do and I won't question anything and I'll just, I'll just let someone else make all the decisions. And eventually, when it becomes too hard and you try to put your foot down, you can't anymore. It's not very different than with children. We started off with the idea of boundaries about children, right? The small in Makarevis. And people ask me often, should I buy my son this thing? Now, very often... It doesn't, it's not what you buy or how much you buy or if you want to buy it. It's more about why are you buying it. Is he throwing a tantrum and manipulating you to buy it and not listening to anything you say until you buy it? Then the answer is no, don't buy it. It's not good for him or for you if that's what's going to make you have to buy something. If you're buying it because you know that he could use it and will feel good about it, and it's true, it is expensive, maybe you are spoiling him too, but he's not demanding it and it's on your terms, you can make your decision and decide that it's okay. Sometimes when a, when a kid is demanding certain things, I tell parents, what he's demanding, don't get him, because it's not good for him to see that you're afraid uh, to, to, you know, to not give him what he's demanding. But you can get him something else. You can get him something else to show him that you love him and that you do appreciate what he did or what he accomplished. So all that, I would say, is um, more of an introduction to addressing this letter that somebody wrote. In. And I hope this is all helpful, because like I said, you could share these ideas at home in a respectful way. It doesn't have to come across the wrong way. You know, you're not going to tell me what to do anymore. No, this is something I think we could all grow from. Some people don't like hearing these ideas. It's too simplistic, and, and they fight it, and, and, and they always try to show how, aside from how wrong the idea is, but there's no such thing that's really yours because it affects me, and I'm embarrassed by your choice of friends or your choice of shul. I'm embarrassed by what you're wearing. I'm embarrassed by... And we're not talking now where it's a Yiddishkeit issue or for whatever reason somebody feels something is really right or wrong. I, I can't handle when you do this. If you're not going to come to the Simcha, I'm going to be so embarrassed. So really this pertains to me, right? The answer is no. Anything could be manipulated into sounding like, yes, but it pertains to me too. But really, if it's the one... If I'm the one that's being most affected by it or, or the one that has to do it, etc., you know, this is something that, that you should... That, that's really the deciding factor now. All this has to be communicated nicely, which means sometimes the idea would work so well if only you were nice about it and say, listen, I understand you, I understand that this is something that bothers you, I understand you would want me to be there earlier or later or do something a certain way. For me, it's very difficult, please be understanding of it. At the end of the day, it's what I have to do, and I would appreciate if I can make my own decision. You don't have to trivialize or, or, or put down someone you know, for the fact that something's bothering them in order to get your way. 
You can be very respectful of it, and you can even agree that you understand how it's bothering them, and still stick your ground and say, listen, this is what I have to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and, and, and still offer certain leeway. For me to go that early doesn't work for me. If it makes a difference to you, if I go between 9 or 10, Adraba, I'd be happy to accommodate that difference. You know, knowing how to communicate is really, is, is really a, a very big part of all this. I just mentioned something interesting uh, just uh, two weeks ago. I was dealing with a situation of a man who was complaining to me about his wife likes to dictate everything, he, how he dresses. And, and one of the issues, one of the examples, and I've heard this, this kind of example many times, but this particular example was the, the shoe sneaker issue. Okay, he's wearing shoes, and I want him to wear sneakers, or he's wearing sneakers, I want him to wear shoes, or boots, or whatever it was. It wasn't anything terrible, I can tell you that much. It wasn't something that uh, you know, was, was uh, especially embarrassing. It was just a matter of taste, you know, based on how my friends are dressing, and your friends are dressing, and the shoes, and the sneakers, sneaker shoes. Now, if anyone who's not involved in such a thing, or doesn't care about it, looks at it like it's silly. You know, who cares what you're wearing on your feet? But sometimes people get passionate about it. Sometimes people really do care. And here, here this wife was trying to make a big deal about what her husband's wearing on his feet, okay? So it's, it's his feet and his shoes, and she's making a big deal about it. And, you know, he, 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 he sometimes gave in, sometimes not, and he was trying to figure out what's really right or wrong. And we discussed these ideas of boundaries and understanding how to be respectful, but at the same time, not to be manipulated. Sure enough, a few days later, I got a phone call from her therapist, who seemingly heard you know, that I said something about whose shoes it is and, and something like that. I said, no, yeah, let me tell you the story with the shoes. I'm afraid you didn't get it right. And it came a whole story, and the story had a lot of good reasons, let's call it, for why he should really be wearing the other kind of shoes and why it means something to her based on her upbringing and based on her trauma, based on how she asked, based on how he said, a whole song and a dance. And I listened to it all, and I, you know, I, was, I was listening and being respectful. And when I finished, and when... when the story was finished. The question was, is that how you heard the story too? My answer was, it's not exactly how I heard the story, but let me just make sure I'm understanding. Is the story still about his shoes? And when you think about it, you know, with all the good reasonings, again, we're talking about a woman telling her husband what kind of shoes he should be wearing. It doesn't even matter anymore why or when or, or anything. It's very important to understand that. And, and people sometimes miss this basic concept, which makes things very difficult. So let's get back to this question over here by going to the chasana. I'll remind everyone again, of course it's best when a couple agrees on how to do things. Of course it's best when we naturally and, and sincerely, genuinely, willingly accommodate one another and we come up with a plan that works for both of us. Or one of us is more flexible than the other and says, you know what, no problem, I'll do it your way. It's wonderful. It is. I'm not, I'm not saying that we should, we should just you know, go separately because why not? I take a car, you take an Uber, or let's just buy two cars, and then we don't, we, don't, we don't have to communicate anymore about when to go to Chasna. Of course it's best when a couple enjoys going together and, and, and knows how to be flexible about it. But here we're talking about a reason, for whatever reason, and sometimes it's just pe- the reason might be nothing more than because that's what I want. I want to go early and you want to go late. What's the problem? What's the problem? Now, the question here involves certain details about I'm embarrassed to go late, and I'm not embarrassed. You, you, you don't have to justify and give so many reasons if you're embarrassed and why. Sometimes just giving reasons makes it more debatable. You don't have to be embarrassed. Nobody's embarrassed. Just you're embarrassed. Go for therapy. It doesn't matter if I'm embarrassed or if I'm not embarrassed. It's what I want to do. It's what I feel is important to me. And that's, that's more than enough reason. It doesn't matter who's uncle and, 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 and what style chasna. None of that matters. It's very important. And it also doesn't matter. Let me just throw in something else you mentioned. It doesn't matter if she thinks she's right or if she thinks she's wrong. It doesn't matter if she's telling you not to go or to go because that's what she really does believe is the right thing or wrong thing. It doesn't matter. 
It's important to just remember, you want me to go when you want, please understand that I'd like to go when I want. And you can go when you want. Now, of course, you also do want to make sure um, you know, that she has how to get there. You want to make sure she has a ride. You want to make sure that anything that does pertain to her doesn't become too complicated because you're taking the car and now she doesn't have a choice. Of course, you're being considerate. And you're not, you're not proving how wrong she is. And you're not proving how right you are. And you're just dealing with it in a responsible and mature way. And I think so often this takes care of so much conflict when even if somebody doesn't like what you're doing and even if somebody's not in the best mood because you're going early, at the end of the day, everyone will understand that you did things the way you wanted and you communicated about it in a respectful way and that's most often the right thing to do. The other example about uh, starting a suda early or late with the children when a wife is sleeping, it's a little more tricky. Now, the part about you not wanting to wait till 3 p.m. for a suda, that's not even a question. Again, in a respectful way, you could say, listen, I understand you need your sleep. I also need my food. For me to wait till then for a suda is not so easy for me. Um, I hope you can understand that I'm going to be washing at 1 o'clock. I could wait till 1.30 if it makes it easier for you because you, you want to be flexible. But you don't have to wait till 3 o'clock or be afraid to wash. Now, once again, if you want to eat the Sean Bias Kugel story and eat a, a big kiddish early and a suda late because it works best for everyone and your wife will feel good, that's fine too, as long as it's not being demanded of you and you're afraid to eat the suda earlier. But if for whatever reason it doesn't work for you to wait till then, I think it's totally fine as long as it's being communicated nicely and as long as you're being reasonable, obviously. When it comes to the children, however, you want to make a student for the children before the mommy's waking up, I think it's something to take into account that this is our children and for you to dictate and, and control when our children are going to be eating a suda and if they're going to be having the mother's participation and presence by the suda or not on your own, you know, it's definitely something that's not so lechatchila. I think it's something that you do want to communicate in advance. You want to be nice about it and say, listen, we'd all love to be at the suda with you. And so much of whatever you're going to accomplish with these conversations has to do with the attitude and the mode and the tone um, you know, of how, how much you're going to make someone feel good or how much you're going to make them feel bad. These conversations can go anywhere from, listen, you're lazy, good for nothing, and you sleep till 3 o'clock, and nobody needs you there anyway, and you're just grouchy, and you don't serve anything anyway, so whenever you want, just eat your own food and nobody cares. Of course that's not going to bring you the results you want. But if you say it nicely, and you really do emphasize sincerely uh, how we'd all love to have you by the Suda, for real, it's not the same without you. The kids really get very hungry, and for me to have to not let them take the, the kegel, the chont, and the fish is very hard for me. If you want, you can tell them they can't. But for me to have to now control them is, again, that's, that's dictating what I have to do because you're deciding to sleep late. It doesn't really work for me. I don't think children should have to wait till then. Um, let's, let's discuss this and agree on something. The agreement has to do, more to do with what the children are going to do than what I'm going to do. In other words, if you want me to now have to babysit them because you're sleeping or feed them or not feed them or keep them busy so that they're not too hungry, again, that's telling me what I have to do and that doesn't work. Very often when you break it down and you see who's demanding what of who, Who's being affected by what? Who's the one that's going to have to now do something because the other one wants? I think a lot of these things become very simple. Of course, there's the idea that I always like mentioning and that, uh, you know, just being careful that Shalom Bayes and Chinuch um, issues shouldn't interfere one with another. And not because the kids need a suda, you're going to start fighting with your wife. And not because you're not getting along with your wife, you're going to start using the children and their suda schedule to get back at her. Be careful about that. But again, as long as we're communicating respectfully, as long as you're giving choices, as long as you're... you're you're very nicely communicating the fact that you really would love to make it work and you really do care about your wife's rest and her sleep and you do enjoy her presence and you do like going with her terchasna and all that. When you're communicating nicely, very often these boundaries should be able to be implemented nicely, you know, with a good feeling and as time goes on it just becomes simpler 
it just becomes easier for everyone to accept. And I like throwing this in the ways that for those of you who this is new for, and for those of you who are going to be implementing new boundaries at home and in your relationships, you know, and feeling good about it now, feeling a little more empowered or feeling a little less controlled, it's wonderful. And I forgive you. Let me just mention that when you do these kind of things and you're tweaking a little more of the small doicha, I think it's very important to enhance and to elaborate more on the Yemin Makarevis. Which means even if until now everything was was relatively fine, the fact that you're going to be a little stronger, let's call it, not chazoshulam, tougher, but you're going to be stronger going forward, and you're going to be a little less controlled, and you're going to be a little more assertive, don't don't rely on on the amount of compliments and the amount of expression of affection and, and whatever yimin makarevis you were doing till now. Very often, if you're going to up the boundary part and the small doicha part and, and just you know be more in control of yourself, it might be a good reason to... You know, put in some more koiches, some more efforts. You're really making your spouse or your partner, or whoever it is, or your child, feel very good. You don't, you don't, want to, you don't want that this new attitude of yours, or even just the small change of how you're going to do things, should be interpreted incorrectly. That's why I, I always like reminding people that the stronger you are and the more in control you are of yourself, the more you want to connect, and the more emotions, and the more love, and the more, you know, the, the more you want to be there for the other person to make sure that they're not going to misinterpret. And what you mean by all this. And the right attitude and the right approach, even that which sometimes look like it's, you know, the chashchus and the hastapunim of the rushem matas b'nai rule, really we come out to see that it's all for the better good. It's all to make us all more happy and understanding one of another and work together and live together.